Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman, and it's, uh, I'm here with John Allgood, as, as well as Ian Sadler, the Director of Development at Ole Miss Athletics, and really excited to have Ian on to talk about his journey and, and how he got to where he is, but then also, um, you know, what development is all about, and we'll take it away. Ian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jake. I'm excited to be here with you all. So when you, when you think about, uh, you look at some of your colleagues across the industry and, and they might have similar titles or, you know, you deal with them on collaboration or, you know, maybe some of your, your colleagues in the SEC where you're all, you know, competing against each other. Uh, when you think about the path that you took and maybe comparing it to others, what separates yourself uh, from, from your experiences to get to where you are? So I guess what separates me from the rest of my colleagues in the industry is I've, I've been fortunate to have a very diverse background in sport. Um, I'm a first-generation college graduate, uh, took advantage of, of a few scholarships and a few um, just kind of exploring relationships that I, that I had throughout growing up. And, and it kind of led me to recognizing that there was the concept of working in college athletics. I was a softball umpire in high school and it uh and it established a relationship with the athletics director at emporia state who after some great conversations kind of introduced me to the topic of working in college athletics and so i, I immediately found opportunities whether that was volunteering as a public address announcer I, I worked on the marketing side as a volunteer this was back before they paid their interns which I'm still a little spiteful about but um, every experience that I had kind of led to another one through relationships. And so after graduating from the University of Kansas, I worked with IMG College at the University of Arkansas for a few years, got the opportunity to go back and work in marketing at Kansas, um, all through relationships that I'd established through, through, through business, through the industry. Um, I got the opportunity to head down to Houston, Texas, where I worked at the University of Houston for a little bit, still in marketing, but that kind of branched over to to a little bit of licensing and some other promotional uh, relationships there. Uh, my wife and I wanted to continue through uh, exploring what a fa family dynamic would look like working in college athletics. And we made the decision to, to move to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I worked at the University of Tulsa, the smallest Division I football school in the country. Got, continued working with Learfield there, doing corporate partnerships. And, and, and while there, I had a great opportunity to jump over to development, which Having utilized all those other experiences, it kind of gave me an understanding of, of, of what's in the best interest of everybody around me, everybody that I work with, whether stakeholders or, or, or other, other folks within the department. So not only understanding that, but understanding what's in the best interest of our supporters and our donors, that past experience has kind of allowed me to get a full picture of, of why we do what we do in working in college athletics. Hey, John, I, I, I got to put Ian on the spot real quick before yeah. we get to the next question. Ian, you got to give us your strike three call. I mean, come on. <laughs> strike three call. I, it, it's got, I've got to go with uh, the yucker, the, uh, you know, everything's just a bit outside, but if you're going to go strike, it's got to be a strike. Did that work? How's that work? Did, oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. We got it. You got to have All right. It was worth a try. Right? I mean, I love it. I hey, love it. So, did, Ian, did you ever punch someone out, like go down the first baseline, throwing your fist around? No, no, no. Nothing like that. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong. I've wanted to plenty of times, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 would, I always keep it professional as much as I possibly can. Gotcha. So, uh, Ian, you and I have known each other for two years. I'm the academic director 
for the Executive Masters in Sport Business at Temple University, also an assistant professor for the STHM program. What uh, what initially drew you to the uh, the Executive Masters program at Temple in Sports Business? So I was I was very while I was at Tulsa, I worked with a gentleman named Chris Maxson, who you and I both know very yeah. well. Chris, uh, Chris kind of opened up the door and said, hey, I'm exploring this program at Temple. Um, it gave me a little bit of rundown of, man, you can be done in as quick as 18 months. And it was very he, he was bragging about how being set up where that I could work while also pursuing it. Um, there was some advantages, whether it was scholarship. But for me, ultimately, it was the ease of of being able to accomplish that all while having a family at home. My wife and I've got twin boys. And so um, when we were exploring that, it sounded a little too good to be true. But as um, Chris and I continued to explore the opportunity and I started building relationships with, with you, John, as well as some of the professors, and um, it, it just kind of lined up perfectly. And it was an opportunity we knew that was in the best fit for my wife and my family, my, my career, and, and even the job at the time. Working in college athletics, it's a hectic schedule. And so being able to find a program that you can have access to and you can you can work at your pace with obviously within the parameters that the program sets. But it was the ideal fit for my wife and my family. Ian, when you think about the, the you know, I'm I would say I consider myself pretty similar to you and in, in having moved quite a few times early on in my career. Um, what is the biggest thing that you learned from making each of those moves? And I think one thing that really goes uh, on, you know, without saying under, you know, really underrated is the ability to adapt in a new culture, a new city, a new yeah. market while starting a new job. Um, what is something you, you know, you could pass along from an insights and advice perspective to those who are listening? Yeah. To those who are listening, I think, I think the mindset or my recommendation would be to be less concerned about sprinting up that ladder and be more concerned with finding out what the healthiest work-life balance is for you in this industry. I mentioned my family, and there's been plenty of times where, where work has taken priority over events or, you know, my wife's birthday is usually the day after Thanksgiving, which if you work in college athletics, Not you know, that's a, that's, a, yeah, that's a pretty rough day. So there's been plenty of those where we've had to adjust and and so anytime you're able to progress in your career, but find that role, that responsibility that allows you to be the healthiest, well-rounded individual in the best interest of your family, your friends and your colleague, cling on to that as long as you can. Because, uh, you know, I heard I heard an athletics director earlier or earlier this year mention, you know, it gets lonely at the top. And so embrace the climb as much as you possibly can. But don't worry about sprinting up the mountain. Just embrace uh, where you are and an opportunity will will become available but if you know where you're at and you enjoy where you're at you can be you can be picky about where you go next and, and right now I'm, I'm enjoying where I'm at and I'm loving what I'm doing uh, Ian so how I met Jake was Jake and I connected on on LinkedIn uh, because we had mutual interest and it was just good timing for us to talk and we hit it off uh, can you talk a little bit about you have really good networking skills but how important networking skills are especially now and, uh, you know, what was the benefit from the executive master's program as far as being part of the cohort and be able to network within that group? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so again, like I mentioned earlier, there's been a lot of, I've been very fortunate to have built relationships with, with some solid people who have, who have taken, you know, they've taken pride in 
uh, watching me progress through my career, but also they've been generous with, with in a sense, discipling me through that process. Um, one of the benefits of the program at Temple is, is the cohort. And, you know, I, I've, I've mentioned this before with even talking with John, and one of the highlights of that entire program was the fact that they bring together some of the best minds, not only from a professor standpoint and, and, a, and a school standpoint, but also from the rest of the cohort. We have individuals uh, like Sean Hanrahan, who's with ESPN. Uh, we had a couple of folks in the program that are coming over from, from professional baseball, all different aspects of life, all coming together, all different aspects of professional and college sports coming together and sharing life within the program, but also relating to the struggle, relating to um, the, 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 pro- the progress of the program and, and trying to get through it. And so the support of that network that I, that was established that cohort is, is phenomenal. And really it's what, it's what's gotten us through it. I, today I even, I texted back and forth with, uh, with Jeff Webb a little bit, just to, just to chat to see how things are going with him. And, and again, you, you've made friends for life, but friends that can also understand what you're going through in yeah, this and it's, profession. It's so crucial to be able to rely on those types of people in the sense that, you know, if someone in your, in your business is able to relate to another area or you want to get a best practice from someone in another area, it's pretty easy to just pick up the phone. As you think about how you operate within your own network from a development space, you have the ability to, to, you know, reach out to probably a lot of the people you worked with on the marketing and the sponsorship side, right, to stay in touch and in tune with what they're doing and, and how that might be able to help you on the development side. What are some of the similarities that you've been able to take over from those marketing sponsorship areas into the development space? It's a, it's a great question. I was, uh, I was part of NACMA when I was on the marketing side of things, and there was this running joke that, that the acronym was C-A-S-E, CASE, and it stands for Copy <laughs> and Steal Everything. And obviously, you tweak it accordingly. But uh, uh, it, it's great to share ideas. It's great to have those colleagues who are encouraging you to get better. Not everything can be duplicated for every university. Obviously, all, you know, most universities are all very different. But if you can take certain ideas of what has been successful with other schools um, and successful with fundraising at other schools and tweak it so that it best fits the culture of your institution or best fits the strategies that you default to, it's fantastic. I talked to a colleague who's, who's at, a, at a school in Louisiana this last week, and, and we just kind of shared how we're managing a lot of our cultivation practices right now. And, and it was great to hear that we have similar mindsets and we can tweak it a little bit based on and where mindsets we're at. Mindsets is so crucial. And, and John, I, you, you probably have some experience with this in, in the winter meetings, right? And oh. being able to co-collaborate you know, with so many different people across so many different markets Ian, on the, on the development side, and then John, uh, I'll definitely have you share kind of what you've experienced from the, from the minor league yeah. baseball side. But Ian, like from the NACTA standpoint, right? Like how do, you, how do you approach those conferences? How do you approach those things knowing that you'll go kind of year after year to some extent? Uh, it's, it's probably trying to figure out the best way of comparing comparisons is you go with one mindset of, you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish out of this? It's, it's similar to, to your educational program. What, what, are you, what are you trying to accomplish out of this? You, you go with a plan, you go with a mission, and then you, 
you, you notice those that are there with you along the way, if that makes sense. So heading into a NACTA or, or some other conference, like a NAD conference, um, you, you, you reach out to folks that you want to build relationships with ahead of time. It's a great opportunity because you're all in the same place. You come with ideas. It's great for sounding boards to bounce ideas off of each other. But, but also, um, you just kind of go with an open outlook on, hey, I'm excited to learn. I'm excited to absorb as much as I can because there's very few opportunities where you can, you can be in the same room with all of these representatives from other institutions. And, and it's very similar to the program at Temple where, hey, I, I don't know immediately what I can learn from, again, Sean Hanrahan, one of the vice presidents of ESPN, but but I'm sure going to be open to listening to his interpretations of what we're going through, his interpretations of the classes. But also if I can pick his brain about this from a media standpoint, or, or if I can, if, if he has an opinion on this, that might be different than mine. It might enrich my outlook on how that scenario impacts yeah, and, college <laughs> athletics. Jake, it's funny. You mentioned the winter baseball meetings and you know, you called it uh, Ian, you call it case. Uh, we call it in baseball best practices. Yeah, it's a, it's a more polite way to say, it, <laughs> right? But, yeah, but uh, the winter baseball meetings are really unique because it's it's minor league teams, all minor league teams, all 162 plus major league baseball, and I'm still going to them because we take students from our master's program uh, to to winter baseball meetings uh, to to seek jobs, and and uh, I told them, I, you know, before we went down there, I was half joking with them. I said. I'm going to get stopped a few times in the hotel lobby as we walk across just because I've been here for a long time. Sure enough, you know, it's and, and the unique thing about baseball is when people go into baseball, they, they usually stay in it. They don't leave it to go to, to another uh, sport. And so it is very common for uh, relationships to develop and for ideas to exchange throughout the day outside of the meetings. But you have to be willing to, to put yourself out there to go introduce yourself to someone else in the industry, especially if, if you're a younger executive going in, because you can learn so much from the executives that have experience and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one of the things that I've learned in that process is I think folks who are higher up that ladder that you want to pick their brain for, for the most part, they're, they're interested in supporting you. They've been through that struggle. They've been through that climb. And they want to find ways to share that knowledge or they also see the value of that as well. And as you think about uh, the development space and the different levels of development and how it's how it's changing, you know, when you approach someone right to, to give um, kind of the similar example of, of going at, you know, to the winter meetings or NACTA and approaching someone, you know, from a from a networking perspective, you're also doing that in the development space. And there's different ways of going about it. Right. As things are changing whether it's the annual fund or major gifts, how are, how are you approaching the development side of things from a cultivation strategy, like you mentioned earlier, in the sense of, of you know, not knowing someone, right? Like you said, you didn't know Sean that well, but you know he's going to have something to say. How do, you, how do you take that same approach and mindset to, to fundraising? Yeah, I'll, uh, one of the biggest hurdles that I had jumping from Learfield IMG, the corporate partnership side over to development was essentially the folks hiring told me, told me my biggest hurdle was going to be not being a salesperson mm -hmm. through that. The reality, in my opinion, was I'm a fundraiser who was in a sales world at the time. And so this is more my default. My goal, there's, there's, my goal is to always build a relationship with those individuals. One of the, one of the uh, strategies that I continue to utilize from my time with Learfield and with IMG is that first 
communication that you have with that prospect or that potential donor, you're trying to find out as much information as you possibly can and just really building that relationship, but also understanding what is the motivating factor here? Why do people support Ole Miss? Why do, uh, what's the tie there? You know, what gets them excited? What, what is their long-term term goal? What type of impact do they want to have on that institution? And you can figure that out over a long term, but you can also just start, you know, opening up those doors in that conversation early on and, and, and just kind of pursue where that takes you. And so that's, that's really been my goal is to, I want to sit down. I want to have lunch. I rarely really want to be in an office. My goal is let's go to lunch. Let's get your, you know, have your spouse join us. Let's talk about your family. Let's, because for me, if I can understand what the big picture goals are for those individuals, it's really going to kind of help me understand how do I connect the dots between your desires and your support and what's in the best interest of when, when of you the went through our program Ian, um, you know, we, we talked about the network. We talked about, you know, the, the support that you had, what, what would you say you took from the program that you actually apply in your job today? I think that the program was great about encouraging us to think on our feet and, and think quickly. I, I, what I took away from that is pursuit of perfection is not always necessary, if that makes sense. I think that what you want to do is you want to see the end goal. Our program allows us to the program. It's a shortened program. It's it's five, six weeks, four or five, six weeks. And you try retaining as much information within that short window as you possibly can so that you can apply it. And so, what you know, it was there was various elements of that program that I've, I've taken lots of information from. I mean, it, it brings together some of the best professors across the country. I mean, we, we, we've got, we've got a guy that worked with, with the A's during the, the Moneyball era, and, and he was teaching you about data and sports analytics. Uh, you've got some of the guys that, that are front minds of sports economics that are right in front of you. So you, you take from them their wisdom, but at the same time, it, it's encouraging you, hey, gather as much information as you can implement it as often as you can and, and just continue to grow and continue to stretch yourself uh, to be the best collegiate sports fundraiser, the best sports marketer, the best media representative as you possibly can. Um, again, it, it pushed us to our limits, but allowed us to recognize how, that we could really take on more. You mentioned, you mentioned the data piece, and I find that interesting because, you know, you talk about media, you talk about sponsorships, you talk about um, marketing, right? Like the data is there and integrated almost everywhere now. Development, a little bit different, but how do you guys utilize data in the, in the sense of, um, you know, ultimately putting the time, effort, and energy into getting what, what you want out of it uh, from a fundraising perspective? Absolutely. We have, we have been very fortunate at Ole Miss to have some incredible resources to allow us to be successful. And, you know, and I think, I think the more athletics directors across the country, university presidents across the country uh, embrace data, it allows us to be more efficient with our time. It allows us to, to kind of have a basic concept of who we're speaking with at the time. But at the same time, you're, you're making more, um, you're making more calls. You, you have a, you have a, a, I'm trying to figure out the best word for this. There's a purpose for all discussion versus a lot of fishing. Uh, if you can compare it to, to, to fishing in a, in a lake 
if you know where the fish are, if you know where you should be casting your line, if all that information is available, you, you won't be wasting your efforts in the wrong place. And so data has been very important but it, because it allows us to, to prioritize our time. What, what advice efficient. would you give to uh, someone that is uh, graduating uh, with the sport management degree in the next, let's say, year, six months to 18 months, somewhere in there? What advice would you give to someone about being uh, hesitant to go into sales? Because some students, when I come across, you know, I always say, hey, you know, how many of you want to go in sales? And maybe a quarter of the class will raise their hands. And then I always have to remind them that you're always going to be in sales at some point. No matter what, what division you're in, you're going to be selling at some point. What advice would you give to uh, a student that's going to graduate again that is hesitant to go into sales? Um, I would tell them to pursue it head on. I, I've gotten some of the best experiences and the best um, practices. There you go. There there you go. go. Reference your best practices <laughs> Uh, just from, uh, from, from my experience in sales, it, it taught me how to, how to better prospect. It, it taught me the value of just picking up the phone, getting hung up on, getting cursed at, getting, you know, getting yelled at, putting down the phone and just going at it again with the same type of personality and the same, same energy and same positivity. Um, it really allows you to, to embrace the grind because it doesn't matter if you're going to marketing, if you're going to development, if you're going to, to ticket sales the ability to pick up the phone and embrace a conversation with a complete stranger on the other end is one of the, the most valuable skill set that, that our energy or that our industry makes available to us. When, when you think about, you know, development, right. Uh, and fundraising, someone say, well, you're going out and you're raising money. Like that's not sales. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. uh, what give, give us some insight as to, you know, what fundraising truly is on a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month basis and how, uh, you know, maybe if you didn't want to be selling a product, quote-unquote, uh, fundraising is still the same thing. It's just different different landscape. I, I, I consider it, I, I don't consider it sales. That's, that's not how I personally operate. What I do consider is that if you are, it's two very similar roadmaps with different terminology and with different executions and different reasons for why, right? On the sales side, you're, you're usually providing an experience, some sort of tangible aspect of this. In fundraising, you're really trying to fully consider what's motivating the other person. And so true at, at the purest form, fundraising is really just understanding the goals of the person in front of you. I think my approach to fundraising is, is really just, just blank slate. It's understanding, okay, great. What are your priorities? What, why, why Ole Miss? What has had the lasting impact that gets you excited about the rebels moving forward and what impact can you have on it? And, and versus the sales side of things, it's really, here's what I have to offer. Here's how I'm going to, try convincing you in some aspect or utilize your resources so that I can give you what I think you should have and hopefully convince you of what you should have as well. So it's, it's the same. If you, if you used white out to cover up a lot of the, the names and the terminology, it would look very similar. However, in my opinion, fundraising at its purest form is connecting the dots of what, two best okay, so, interests. You know, our program is, was a hundred percent online and uh, you know, we, some people had that skill beforehand. Some people didn't. After going through that and knowing how business is being conducted, how much did that help you uh, to transition? 
Oh, I, I, it helped us tremendously. You know, part of my role is I spent a lot of time traveling. You know, I've been fortunate where we were given territories and I travel, you know, towards San Antonio, Austin. I'm also in the coastal Carolina areas. And so not necessarily always being in the classroom setting or not always being face to face um, in, in human form and in personal interaction, utilizing the, the experiences uh, on the laptop and in your computer where you're communicating globally at times. Um, it, it essentially gives you the resources and the experience to be successful in making conversation and, 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 and Zoom meetings with those that might live in other states. One of the, pro, one of the classes um, in this program, we had uh, a, one of my colleagues there and classmates was from Russia. And so it was interesting trying to build that schedule where in the United States alone, you really have four or five uh, time zones to deal with. But but internationally, you just have so many others. And so it stretched us to the limit of being being able to adjust not only for the world that we live in, in a sense, just thinking the United States, but the world, the actual global world that we live in and how business goes beyond just our borders. Ian, when, when you think about um you know, I, I keep I keep thinking about the thing you said at the beginning of the episode where you're talking about the ADs that were at the conference and, and John's probably got a good perspective on this and that you said the AD mentioned to you that uh, it's lonely at the top. And we'll, we'll, we'll kind of conclude our episode with this this thought and this perspective and in that, um, you know, you mentioned kind of as you're traveling to the different spots uh, around the country for different jobs, but to, you know, ultimately... Uh, embrace the journey, right? Embrace where you are. You know, what is it that you see now that you're kind of, you're, you're closer to the top, right? But you're not there uh, from, from that 80s perspective of it is lonely at the top. And then John, you know, you've been there before. Uh, can you shine some light on that as sure. well? So from that conversation with that athletics director this past summer, it, it, we were kind of able to understand that when you're at the, the mountaintop, it, the example they used was climbing Mount Everest and how quiet and how, how you're, not, you're not with a lot of other people in that situation when you're climbing Everest. It, it really forces you to be the only person making those decisions. And, and what I'm trying to embrace in this aspect of my career is to learn from as many people who are around me as I possibly can. The, the example that they used is before you get all the way to the top of Everest, closer to the middle of that mountain it's very lush it's very green there's and everest might have been the example but you can really do this with any mountain but at a certain point stuff starts getting quiet at a certain point you're looking around and not as many other people are up there with you and so you really have to rely on yourself so right now at this phase of my career i'm really trying to learn in that lush green environment where where folks are wanting to build me up i'm trying to continue my education again the, the temple experience allowed me to absorb as much as I possibly can. It was very eye-opening um, that I, had a, I have a long ways to go before I continue to climb that mountain. And, and so when it gets lonely at the top, hopefully I've, I've absorbed and I've utilized the experience right here where it's lush and green on the side of the mountain so that I will be most prepared to, to continue to climb to that top. Yeah, and I guess my perspective, John, what was your experience? Yeah, yeah. my experience was um, I'm just a collaborative person anyways. I wasn't always like that. When I first started off, you know, I was kind of like Ian was talking about as a young buck. I was just going there and start, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that, you know, just all over the place. And then I learned as, as I grew in my career and finally got to the top post, 
for the baseball team was that I need to be collaborative. And uh, I spent a lot of time just talking with, you know, people that, that work for me. And when there were important decisions to be made, I would bring them all in the room and we would discuss it. Ultimately, I had to make the decision what was what was right. But and I didn't do a vote. It wasn't a democracy, but it was very collaborative. And I think if if young executives think about, you know, being it's lonely at the top, it is lonely that you're but you if you're prepared and you you have smart people around you, um, you should be able to make the right decision most of the time. And, And one of the phrases that I always hear one of the phrases I heard that I always talk about is if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I always tried to bring up smart people that I could be collaborative with. And that kind of helps with being lonely at the top because you're kind of doing it together. In fact, I was just in Oklahoma city a few days ago and I went back to the ballpark that I ran and uh, was walking around and ran into our operations director. And, you know, we just started talking about, you know, kind of what we were just, you know, collaborating. I haven't seen the guy in probably 10 years and it's the first time that I saw him and, it was like we just worked together, you know, yesterday. And that's because we developed a relationship beyond just being a supervisor and, a, and an employee. No, that's that's great insight, John. And, and I think, you know, Ian, you've got a great perspective on, you know, staying in that green lush area and just soaking it all up, being a sponge. Uh, I think it's only appropriate the way, you know, we kind of started the, the episode off. Can you give us a, a ball game? <laughs> Oh gosh, this is. I love it. We're we're embracing the growth of my career, and this is quickly going to shut we it are. down. I mean, why not? Yeah, yeah. Or play ball. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, at this time, we greatly appreciate you. That's the ball game final score. Please drive home safely. <laughs> nice. Hey, um, I appreciate you. Again. Appreciate you joining. Right, you uh, it's it's certainly been a pleasure, and uh, thanks for joining.